from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Missiles or food? No imports of fertilizer. Uh, there's been no imports of uh, tools or components to fix the outdated machinery that they have. That's the decision facing leaders in North Korea as hunger concerns grow. Plus, Machinery Pete keeps finding record tractor prices as cold temperatures return to the lower 48 and renewable diesel is red hot. With, with more processing being built, um, to crush more soybeans targeted at this renewable diesel industry that's kind of exploding. A look at this expanding market from North Dakota, today on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. The domestic market for soybean oil continues to expand as more crush plants come online. USDA now forecasting new records. At the Ag Outlook Forum, USDA's NAS projecting soybean crush to top 2.3 billion bushels as renewable diesel production continues to expand. You can see that here in red. Ag Day at Ag Industry Days is brought to you by The Mosaic Company, creating innovative advanced crop nutrition products and practices. Now some of that oil crush expansion is happening in North Dakota. And that's where we find our very own Michelle Rook at this year's CHS Ag Industry Days in Grand Forks. Michelle. Growers here at the Ag Industry Day heard from the head of CHS, who's bullish about the profit potential for producers in this area in 2023 and beyond due to the explosion in demand for green fuels. CEO Jay Deberton says farmers in North Dakota and neighboring Minnesota will benefit from a 25% increase in soybean crush capacity by 2025. Additional processing is an additional option. Uh, and most farmers that I, that I know uh, like more options. And I think they're gonna get them with, with more processing being built um, to crush more soybeans targeted at this renewable diesel industry that's kind of exploding. In North Dakota, three plants are planned with a total of 138 million bushels of crush capacity. Those include a 42.5 million bushel plant near Castleton, a 53 million bushel facility at Spiritwood, and a 42 million bushel plant north of Grand Forks. This will mean a fight for more soybean acres or a shift in the marketplace. You know, if there is more processing over the next few years, that'll be an additional demand on, on soybeans that either will come from new acres that go to soybeans or a reduction in exports. Farmers in the area are welcoming the increased demand for their product as they've been working hard to develop the soy-based biofuels market. We want to grow the energy. Let us grow it. I've said that for years. I've been on the soybean board for a long time and I've said, please let me grow it. She says that will also mean more meal, but they hope to export it or expand livestock feeding. And of course, the hope is that increased demand will lead to higher prices in the long run for producers in this area. Reporting at the CHS Ag Industry Day here in Grand Forks, I'm Michelle Rook for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. Over the weekend, our biggest export customer, China, kicked off its annual National People's Congress. The collection of high-ranking officials will see a host of new policy announcements and economic growth targets for the next year or two. Reuters reporting China could set its GDP target at 6% for 2023, which is higher than last year. Now, actual GDP in 2022 was about 3%, the second lowest since 1976. U.S. officials, they're reportedly considering sanctions against China if it starts supplying weapons to Russia. Meanwhile, the Biden administration continues its support of Ukraine, announcing new funding to help with grain storage and infrastructure. 
USAID says it's partnering with three companies, Grain Alliance, Kernel, and Nibulon, to invest $44 million in storage infrastructure for Ukraine's ag sector. Now, it's expected to increase grain shipping capacity by more than 3 million tons annually. The U.S. says the investment will help alleviate the global food security crisis. Now, before Russia's invasion, agriculture made up more than 40% of Ukraine's export revenue. USDA also continuing to make changes related to farmers of color last week, announcing a permanent chief diversity and inclusion officer. The department announcing the role will go to Latanya Davis. Now she's slated to oversee the implementation of USDA's first ever diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility strategic plan. Davis previously worked at the FDA. Snow and winter weather blankets parts of the country, while in some places the growing season is off and running. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joins us with expectations for the week ahead. And we're watching a few systems here on this Monday as we begin this last full week here of March. We're going to be watching a low pressure system here up across the upper portion of the Midwest, and that will bring with it a few scattered showers here to parts of the Great Lakes and maybe even a little taste of winter for the upper portions there of the Great Lakes region. Let's zoom in here on the future radar on this Monday. That's how we get a little bit of green showing up. Nothing significant, but nonetheless, it will make again for another sloppy at times a Monday. And we'll eventually see this system working its way off the east here throughout Tuesday. Meanwhile, watching a few waves developing off the Pacific Northwest as we head throughout midweek. That will eventually work its way across the Rockies. And we could be looking at another strong lower pressure system bringing with it snow and water to the midsections of the country. Here's a look at precipitation for this upcoming week. Notice how we get lots of yellows and reds once again across the deep south where we get pockets of showers and thunderstorms and even some severe weather. Could be looking at another two to four inches locally across the deep portions of the south. And last week we showed you planting in South Texas. Alan sharing this picture on Twitter. His corn is up and growing near Barlett, Texas. Alan says it only took 10 days for the crop to emerge, adding it was perfect planting conditions for weather this time of year. I'll more on your Ag Day forecast in just a few. All right, thanks, Andrew. Now the latest drought monitor shows the Southern Plains continues to deal with severe drought. Cattle producers scrambling to find enough hay and forage to get through the winter. Oklahoma State Livestock Marketing Specialist Daryl Peel says conditions have improved a little, but how much better it gets remains to be seen. Now, Peel says while some producers may be thinking about adding to their herd, nationally, that's going to be hard in 2023. It looks uh, very unlikely that we could put together uh, any expansion this year. Um, you know, conditions are kind of improving. We're seeing some, uh, a little bit of improvement in moisture conditions. Uh, and, and the predictions from the, the meteorologists are that we will see uh, somewhat improving conditions through the year. So all of that said, the, uh, the drought conditions may, uh, may alleviate a little bit, but the numbers would suggest that it's really not possible for us to expand the herd this year. He says heifer numbers remain a concern. Peel expects falling herd numbers to continue. A victory in the battle against regional naming protections for cheese. Several food and dairy groups announcing a court of appeals has ruled in their favor, saying Gruyere cheese is considered a generic term for a cheese variety. Swiss and French producers argued it's not generic and wanted trademark protections, which would ultimately limit production to specific regions in Europe. Jim Mulhern, the president and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, says they reject blatant European attempts to unjustly limit competition from American companies. 
The February crop insurance prices are set. We'll go through the numbers next in analysis. And later, Machinery Pete says auction prices continue to be a rising tide. The latest tractor prices to catch us on. Still ahead. Get in the game and be part of the 2023 Bracket Busters Challenge presented by Case IH. It's Farmer versus Farmer for a chance to win the $1,000 top prize. Go to agweb.com to fill out your bracket once teams are selected on Sunday, March 12th. The February crop insurance prices are set and it could impact the acreage mix this spring. Michelle Rook is back at the CHS Ag Industry Days in North Dakota with more. Joining us with market analysis, Randy Martinson, Martinson Ag. Randy, we do have the February crop insurance base prices have been set now. Corn pretty similar to last year. It was. It was a penny less than last year, so you can basically say it was a little, you know, pretty close to the same. You know, one nice thing about this year, volatility is a little bit lower, so that'll help with the premiums a little bit. Soybeans were down from last year, though. They were down from last year, uh, you know, down, I think, like 1377, 78, somewhere in that area. So they were quite a bit lower. Uh, you know, again, I don't know if that'll matter with the bean side of things, but it will help, you know, lower premiums a little bit, but it'll lower your guarantee as well. What happened with a Durham versus hard red spring wheat? Well, you know, that's where things really got to be interesting. They changed how they figure the Durham price this year, which added some premium to it. It actually turned out to be about $1.24 above spring wheat. Uh, spring wheat coming in you know, lower than last year and Durham quite a bit higher. So I think that's going to maybe start switching some acres up in the northern plains, especially in north central to northwestern North Dakota. Yeah, $10.11 is a pretty high a mark for uh, Durham, isn't it? It is a very high uh, mark for Durham and it will encourage acres. So what do you see as far as the whole acreage mix up here in the Northern Plains? You know, I think we're going to see an increase in corn acres because corn is king up here, just like we are seeing in the Corn Belt. I think soybean acres will gain a little bit and I think there are some of our specialty crops will lose some acres. Barley will likely see a little bit of an increase just because uh, that's starting to become pretty popular in the rotations because of the pet food market. And we have other specialty crops, though, that we can look at. Canola, sunflowers, how do those come in? I think canola will see an increase, mainly because of uh, crush plants coming up in Canada. That'll pull some of the demand, and, and it'll increase demand in the, U in the U.S. For, for our crush plants here. Sunflowers will probably see a little bit lower acres because of uh, a little lower price. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. That is Randy Martinson with Martinson Ag, and we'll have more Ag Date coming up. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. Get in the game and be part of the 2023 Bracket Busters Challenge presented by Case IH. It's Farmer versus Farmer for a chance to win the $1,000 top prize. Go to agweb.com to fill out your bracket once teams are selected on Sunday, March 12th. Andrew Whitmire joining us here with our national forecast and you know we had a pretty warm at least fairly warm February but it looks like March may be a little different. Yeah if you were getting a little bit of spring fever the past few weeks uh, well March is going to put us in check a little bit here. Uh, Mid-March here we're looking at below average high temperatures expected for much of the lower 48. Uh, we'll see how long that'll last. It's all up to the polar vortex. We'll be watching a few of these cold air outbreaks likely lasting throughout at least the mid portion of this month. 
And that's a look at mid-March, but let's take a look at the pattern here for this upcoming week. And we are going to start to see some of those cooled air intrusions uh, beginning across the northern half of the Rockies. And that will eventually segue into a cooler end here to the week for much of the country. Let's check out the jet stream as this will have a lot to do with our next pattern heading our way as we head on into early this week. We'll be seeing a subtle ridge that'll bring with it at least another taste of spring here across parts of the plains as well as parts of the Great Lakes and Midwestern and East Coast. But watch what happens as we head towards the latter half of this week. We start to see signs of a deeper trough starting to develop out across the plain states and that will segue to potentially some colder air beginning to filter on in here as early as this upcoming weekend. And again, we'll be watching the stage here for more colder air pockets to kind of funnel on in as parts of the polar vortex uh, begins to uh, drop some of that colder weather down across parts of North America. Precipitation this week, it will be somewhat active across the Plain stage, which is good news. Again, Nebraska, Kansas, and even Oklahoma really needing the moisture as well as eastern Michigan here. And hopefully we can tap into some of that moisture uh, for some of those dry pockets of the U.S. But it looks like more and more of the deep south is going to be inundated with more pockets of heavy rain especially where showers and thunderstorms do decide to set up. Watching a quick moving system across the Great Lakes upper Midwest as we hit throughout Monday. That'll bring with it a shower or two and even some wintry type precipitation up across the north. Here's a look at spring temperatures this afternoon. Could be nearing 60 in Chicago, 73 in St. Louis, 73 in Cincinnati. Notice that cooler air though up around Billings, Rapid City. 20s will be seeing that cooler air moving into the rest of the country as we finish out this week. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at your Ag Day select cities. Going over to Ohio, few showers for today. High temperature 60 degrees. Going over to Missouri, sunny and breezy 65. And jackpot Nevada, chance of a snow shower. High temperature below freezing, low 10 degrees. The wave of record tractor prices are still rolling. Machine Repeat takes us to auction next. And later, a growing food crisis in North Korea. What it could mean for millions of people there in the country. Ag Day is brought to you by Maristem Crop Performance. Learn how to get more bushels for less at maristemag.com. Maybe 2023, but those record tractor prices continue to roll in. Machinery Pete takes us on a tour from his home office in Minnesota. Beyond all the record high auction prices the past two years, folks, what's blown me away even more, honestly, has just been the tsunami level of rising prices, particularly on good use tractors. Now let's talk examples from just the past couple weeks. Last Tuesday on a farm auction in Farwell, Texas, this 2006 Case H MX 285, just under 2,600 hours on it, sold for 90,000 bucks, second highest auction price the past eight years. But get this, 10 of the 11 highest auction prices on MX 285s the past eight years have come the past 18 months. Now the day before that, last Monday on a farm auction, I'll be on Nebraska by John Temme Auction and Realty, this sweet 1981 John Deere 4240 with only 3,090 original hours on it, sold for 44,500 bucks. Now that's the third highest auction price ever on a 4240 that wasn't a rare open station or sold with a loader. But here again, get this, 15 of the 19 highest auction prices ever on John Deere 4240s have come the past two years. Now five days earlier, 
on a big iron auction out of Nebraska, this 1974 John Deere 4630 that was showing just under 2,700 hours on it, went for 36,750, second highest auction price ever. But again, eight of the 10 highest auction prices ever on 4630s from the past three years. And four days before that, February 18th, on a farm auction in Papillon, Nebraska, by our friends at Tram Auction, this 2014 Case H Magnum 210, just under 2,400 hours on it, sold for $150,000. That was a record by 24,250 bucks. But again, three of the four highest auction prices ever on Magnum 210s from the past seven months. All right, thanks, Pete. Up next, the battle against hunger. Leaders in North Korea calling for an immediate increase in food production. That story, next. Got equipment to sell privately but tired of scams and hassles? Visit MachineRepeat.com and click Sell Mine. MachineRepeat.com, the simple and secure way to buy and sell equipment online. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed, from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. As we reported last week, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has ordered a big increase in food production by the country's farmers. The mandate comes amid warnings of an impending food crisis for millions of people. Paula Hancock's reports. Concerns about North Korea's food crisis are growing. Reports from multiple sources say deaths due to starvation are likely. Probably its worst point since uh, the famine in the 1990s, which killed 3 to 5 percent of the population. Attention's being paid at the very top. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un held a Workers' Party meeting this week, calling for a fundamental change in farming and state economic plans. But many say it is his regime, its chronic mismanagement and isolation, that has caused this crisis. We're really talking about three years of mm, no imports of fertilizer. Uh, there's been no imports of uh, tools or components to fix the outdated machinery that they have. An extensive shutdown of borders due to the COVID pandemic meant almost no food or aid was getting into the country. Only in recent months has minimal trade restarted with China. South Korean officials said last month they believe deaths from starvation are occurring in certain areas though provided no evidence. Its Rural Development Agency estimates that the North's food production dropped almost 4% last year from the year before. Food has dipped below the amount needed to satisfy the minimum human needs. So as it stands by that measure, um, even if you distributed food perfectly equally, which is totally inconceivable, um, you would have hunger-related deaths. Speaking to South Korea's foreign minister last week, he said Pyongyang has to decide to help its own people. Um, the only way that North Korea can get out of this trouble uh, is to come back to the dialogue table uh, and accept uh, our humanitarian offer uh, to the North uh, and make a, uh, a better choice for the future. The regime's focus remains on its nuclear and missile program. Seoul's Ministry of Unification says if Pyongyang had used the money spent on launching missiles last year for food, it could have bought one million tonnes, more than enough to cover the annual food shortage. But that focus is unlikely to shift. As the time goes on, the capacity for North Koreans to endure hardship becomes harder and harder. Their, their resilience 
you know, runs off um, and their, um, you know, their re- resources also decrease. Paula Hancock's CNN Seoul. Paula Hancock's reporting. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. Now remember, we'll be at Commodity Classic later this week. If you see us, be sure to stop by and say hello. That's all of our time this morning. Have a great day on Farm Country. Closed captioning on Ag Day is brought to you by BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth.